I'm Mark Stedman, and just because the little wretches like us doesn't mean we have to like them back. I'm Danny Smith. Just let me stick to what I'm good at, yeah? I'm John Hickman, and uh, tomorrow night I'll do it all over again, but this time with Sony Walkman. It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard, leopard this leopard, is Beware of the Leopard, our attempt to deconstruct Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Canon and put it back together again in alphabetical order. Uh, we're on to the W's, the W's. So uh, let's start by um, getting all theoretical. Reason notwithstanding, the universe continues unabated. Its history is terribly long and awfully difficult to understand, even in its simplest moments, which are, roughly speaking, the beginning and the end. The wave harmonic theory of historical perception in its simplest form states that history is an illusion caused by the passage of time and that time is an illusion caused by the passage of history. It also states that one's perception of these illusions is conditioned by three important factors. Who you are, where you are, and when you last had lunch with Zaphod Beeblebrox. Danny, is merely spending time with Zaphod enough to blow your mind right off? Or is it the several um, inevitable inter- uh, pangalactic gargle blasters that will um, break the illusion of the passage of time? Um, right, okay. Mm, I was thinking at surface level that I was just a throwaway line. <laughs> like like that like Zaphod is so monumentally stupid or smart or <laughs> stupid sl- slash smart um that he kind of bends your head a little bit um and your perception of things are put off but mm. then i gave it some little more thought because that sentence takes like maybe half a minute to say and we've got some time to <laughs> fill so <laughs> i thought about it and um Zaphod survived the total perspective vortex right he did now he, he, I think Zaphod is the type of person to take away from that. I survived the total perspective vortex rather than I survived the total perspective vortex because I was in a sub universe that actually was built around me. <laughs> oh, no, no, like, wait, yeah, wait, when he, when he walks out of it, he's definitely like, yeah, no, this makes total sense because I'm Zaphod Beeblebrox. Completed it. He's just like, yeah. completed that. So, it, so even when it later comes out, that's the reason why he did. I, like his brain and ego would edit that out now um mm-hmm. to, like full disclosure i only know that his brain would do that because my brain would do exactly the same thing <laughs> <laughs> so i think that if you spent enough time around somebody that literally thinks that they are the center of the universe hello it, it is going to skew how you perceive history and time yes Especially if there are drinks involved. <laughs> right, but what I wanted to talk about, and as we're ending the time, and we haven't really talked about it, so um, he says that, uh, like, oh, um, your perception is bended by... Um, yeah, who you are, where you are, and when you last had lunch with Zaphod. Okay, so talking about uh, a, a change in the perception, especially about time and history and whatnot. The sort of revelation that comes to you when you have done some drugs. Drugs aren't really mentioned in... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, are they? There is a passing reference in the second series when... Oh, my God, this is so nerdy. Um, God, nerd. I know. Uh, So there's a whole storyline that, again, isn't explored because in the book they land on prehistoric Earth at the wrong time. Um, So narratively speaking, it doesn't make sense. But in the radio series, Ford and Arthur have to get rescued from prehistoric Earth by Zaphod Peeblebrox. And there's a whole bit which doesn't really work uh, in which they find themselves at a crossroad in um, time and a ship appears and they've got a bottle in their hand and the, the ship appears and when they pick the bottle up, the ship goes away. Every time they put the bottle down, the ship reappears. And the point being that it's usually they would just get blind drunk and complain and would never figure out how to get out uh, off the planet but when they mm-hmm. put the bottle down they entered a, uh, a possible universe where they did figure it out and the ship came to, to rescue them um, and, and Ford has uh, a, a line something along the lines of not when I've been in a legal state of mind which is 
pretty much off the top of my head like that was the one that I didn't have to expend any thought to think about but there is that line um, is it not does in this the legal come state from, of mind but that's about does this it. come from being BBC yeah like does it come from being BBC or does it come from the like my theory of it was that he wouldn't have been even though he was a child of the 60s and 70s the circles that he moved in wasn't really no. the druggy ones no yeah right. if he'd been really born 10 ones. years later he would have been on cocaine or quaaludes um, but because those were the the middle class, upper middle class mm-hmm. drugs of the day. Yeah, seventies were cokey, weren't they? Don't they were quite cokey, mm-hmm. but I'm not really in Britain. <coughs> I mean, mm. they they were around. It was more amphetamines and prescribed ah. amphetamines. But again, like I think, I think maybe because subculture and culture wasn't as overlapped. Any, uh, mm-hmm. So if you were involved in a subculture where drugs were a thing, you would have access and be around them. But if you weren't, then you probably weren't. Mm. Like probably the the coded messages of of Lucy and the Sky with Diamonds mm-hmm. were coded. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's just interesting because like there's a lot of talk of reality, nature, reality, bending reality, um, perception in the whole series but drugs are never touched on it could be they just found it too complicated like it's like i'm actually dealing with that sort of stuff without well alcohol is is roundly abused Mm -hmm. in a kind of a plain sight within hitchhiker um and that i could imagine if you wanted your edgy character to be doing something having a drink problem is something that you could get to fly but you'd struggle to get you you would make it harder to make your comedy program if you were going to bring drugs into it in the BBC of the seventies. I would have thought because I mean, like Zayford's relationship with alcohol isn't healthy. <laughs> yeah, well, none of none of them. Is. There's a thing in certainly the the school of improv that I've been learning, which suggests that you shouldn't really ever play a character that's on drugs. Um, there's a few different characters that you shouldn't really that it's not a good idea to explore because Mm -hmm. their actions are inherently unpredictable and therefore we can't join in 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 the same, like we can't identify with their actions. We can identify with the actions of a a drunk person to a degree, but not someone who's Mm -hmm. so flat out blotto that, you know, um, that they're they're making decisions that them and everyone around them will regret. Um, But, there is that thing about, um, yeah, certain um, certain states of mind, uh, illegal or otherwise, are just not necessarily comedy fodder because it's one thing to talk about drugs and make illusions. Um, it's another one to actually then do the showing as opposed to the telling, and it's in the showing that you end up in problematic territory because it's probably not that funny because um, watching people smoke weed and the effects of it isn't that funny, but illusions are quite good and one of the things that i think he did well is alluding to things and giving you a little poke in the ribs without going overboard we talked Mm. i think it was last week about the star trek joke and all he needed to do was say to boldly split infinitives and then anyone who knows what that is knows that's Mm. a good star trek joke Mm. and that's all he needed to do um he you know we, we've talked before about whether it's parody whether it's satire and it's it's it very rarely goes into parody in the same way that like he makes that illusion about a legal state of mind and to me that's enough and i don't think to to address an, an earlier point and i will stop speaking in a moment i that's don't th- i don't think it's necessarily about the prim and properness of the bbc because i think there are ways that you can play with that Mm. Um, but it's yeah. I think it's more just it's it's it would be hard to make it the right kind of funny to make it Douglas's kind of funny. But also, like I don't know because mm-hmm. there is a there is an overlap where religion and perception and drugs and our history overlap, mm. and. I think that is very Adam's territory. Mm. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I could read a whole book specifically about that, but definitely a a, passing like pa- a page long footnote that mm-hmm. he slips in. It's just yeah. interesting that it's it's never really addressed. Yep. No, I'm with you. I don't. I don't know why I would. I would. Spe- me specifically would think about that. But um, <laughs> it would. It would fit that that Ford would be the person who's tried the most things. I think more than more more than Zayford actually. Just the there's there's that that kind of um, that travel writer part of him 
Mm. It would, it would and the be, self-destructive it, nature of him as well. Not, not that not, I'm, I'm not being prudish when I say oh, drugs self-destructive, but you know, there's a no. Yeah, well, I, I think I think that's that's what makes him a person who's drawn to that particular profession. Um, there's something like uh, have you have you have you seen or read The Beach? Seen, seen. So um, works works for, works for both. The during during the opening. Um, section when Leonardo DiCaprio is explaining like his his way of traveling. In fact, probably the film does it better. He talks about like you know trying anything that's put in front of you, and you see him doing like lots of weird things involving like there's a scorpion and then there's shots and all sorts of crazy stuff that he's doing. Lust for life that is playing of, in the background. That kind of headed that that yeah that kind of hedonist go that go to the place and try all the things like mm-hmm. eat anything, drink anything. Um, that I can. That is a part of Ford. We don't see it a lot, but I think that that's there, and it it, yes. com- it bubbles up every now and then. Some, somewhere on his body, uh, which is which is an anathema to anyone not from Earth, but somewhere on his body is a tattoo that says "When in Rome." Well, the Babelfish will just translate it into whatever the Rome is of your of, oh, of, of course of your planet. Yes. But so, maybe that's what the um, the the third elephant, whatever you know, the be like the the heated elephant with added value. <laughs> maybe that's just like a "When in Rome." type phrase that just hasn't hasn't made it across <laughs> when in rome yes <laughs> <laughs> when in rome but um but um zayford's zayford's drug is is booze um and there's something interesting that's just come to mind during this discussion for me which is like um rock stars of the 70s into the 80s were pr- probably i think we not not all of them but there's um there are there are known stories about known people who were taking a lot of drugs but the image that they cultivated was like i'm hard and i'm edgy and i'm drinking and i'm smoking mm. not i'm hard and i'm edgy and here's a photo of me with a needle out of my arm mm-hmm. um but zayford's got that kind of rock starness mm-hmm. and he seems almost sort of patterned after a picture of Slash with a bottle of JD rather than a picture of Slash with all the other things that Slash was probably doing at the time. Yeah, rather than, was it Justin from The Darkness who, yeah, would, would have anything sticking out of his arm? So I'm just wondering if there, there's that that template of the kind of heavy drinking, heavy smoking rock star. Like, I'm so crazy, I'm so on the edge, I'm having a little shot. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if that model was used for, for Zaphod. And none of the characters smoke or, or a space equivalent of smoking. That's true, they don't. So I've just you just torpedoed my theory. <laughs> Zayford is definitely modelled after after the 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 rock star, the too cool for you rock star. Mm. But I've just noticed there are no smoke. There are no smoking. No. When in the seventies, that would be perfectly normal, and it would be every day, wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah. Was Douglas a smoker? Do we know? Oh God, um, he must. He, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> It, it wouldn't shock me if he smoked a pipe. Yeah, because him and <laughs> Graham Chapman very much pipe pipe smokers. <laughs> Pipe lads. And now, against all probability, uh, this thing has appeared. A short-lived sperm whale was brought about by the improbability drive on one of its first hops along the probability axis. Uh, John, um, you've uh, you've just materialised in adult form, um, many miles above the surface of an alien planet. If you plummet to Earth, uh, what's going through your head there, mate? A bowl of petunias, I think, yeah. isn't it? Isn't that yeah. a joke? Hey, there we are. Um, so, my, my my kids have... Um, well, my eldest kid has, has insisted recently on getting that Fortnite that they've got now. Oh, mate. Come on, you've got to crack down on that. Do some parenting. So, um, I've had a look at that <laughs> this weekend just, yes. to see, just to see if what what's going on yeah. with that. To see if that's okay. Yeah. And um, identify where all the dances come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, as as part as part of my approach to parenting, I am gonna just give that a go and make sure it's fine. Of course. And um essentially what's gonna be going through my head as I'm as I, I materialise in the middle of the air is um can can I get some guns and can I frag some mofos? That's uh, that's where I am in my head, head in my headspace right now. Fortnite is a terrible game. Yeah, it's really, really. Like I, I played it on the Nintendo Switch for about twenty minutes and was utterly infuriated by it. It doesn't work. It doesn't not, work. Not on the not on the Switch anyway. It does not work. The 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 hit detection is mm-hmm. bananas. Yep. Um the the menu system. Let's talk about the yes, menu mate. system. The UI. Yes, mate. 
Where 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 are the settings for what what am I doing? Yeah. How am I getting the uh, you I can't wanna... choose your own character. You get randomly assigned one. There's nothing you can do about it. You just get randomly assigned one. How has this been a hit, Mark Stedman? I do not know. I genuinely like I I I'm I it was one of those where I go, yeah, I'm too old. I like I'm out. I have got to, I've got to just walk away because I it's clearly don't get here, it. It's happened here that PUBG is beating Max and this is VHS. Well, yeah, well, in 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 as much as PUBG was there beforehand, yes. Um, and is, is PUBG is PUBG actually good? Pl- PUBG what? is short for Player Unknown's Battleground, and it's uh, it's another what they call battle royale style, where several people enter a field, uh, they shoot at each other, and then Two one person one emerges. Thunderdome. Yeah, bust a deal, face the wheel. Yeah, who runs Bustertown? Um, <laughs> so Boss Hog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. So so Fortnite's another one. There's a new one that's just come out, which is apparently quite good, mm. uh, and and might supplant uh, su- supplant this one. But I hope so because as far as I'm concerned, this is like this is like a bad batch of drugs. This has been cut with. Oh, it's been stepped on so many all times. All sorts of nonsense. It's awful. Danny, have you played it? Uh, no, no, don't play computer games. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I tr- I tried. I tried years ago. My my mom and my brothers and everyone went on holiday. So I snuck down my brother's console um, and I put it on the big telly and I was like, right, computer games are a thing. I'm going to learn how to do computer games. Learn me a computer game. <laughs> and it was, um, I think it was called Hitman. Yep. Gosh, in this, in this story, I thought this was like 30 years ago. Right. I know okay. that's what I'd imagine. So this is early 2000s, isn't it? Yeah, got to be around then. And I spent probably about 45 minutes running in a circle, crouching occasionally (laughs) and getting shot by um, any bad guy. Like, even the compute game was taking a piss because they weren't like doing like normal bad guy things like, you know, power rolls and then coming up into a shooting stance and shooting me. The normal bad guy things. (laughs) They were casually walking (laughs) over to me and then shooting me dead. Right. And I thought. Fuck it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done. Computer games have officially left me behind, and it's such a relief. Mm. And now I kind of know about like the cultural repercussions of different games and mm-hmm. stuff. I'm aware of what they are and and what they do. Like I know that Fortnite's a first person shooter. It has dance moves in the choosing menu or whatever. Um, and I'm happy. I'm I'm happy. Like that's not for me anymore. Like the charts. Yes. Do you know what number one is this week? Oh, mate, no, I don't know what any of them no, are. Nobody knows who number one is this week. That's mad. Yeah. That used to be a very important thing. It was it so important. That used to be a thing that would be on the news occasionally. Christmas that number was, one especially. Yeah. I've only got so much care. Yes. I've only got so much care about things. Yes. And they're like coins and I have to hoard them now. Yeah, you do. You've got to hoard your attention because yeah, it can only be spent on. But the, the the charts, the the charts are very much like Theresa May in that they are they are deep in their bunker under the Reichstag, and and they're digging in and they're digging their heels in because like they they're the 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 charts are uh, the charts are going oh we need to we need to stay we need to stay relevant now what are we going to do oh well, let's let's let downloads come in let's let let's have let's have this stuff from the internet that they're all into they like that. They they like they like buying they like buying um just singles but on on MP3s off of iTunes we'll get that oh hang on no now any song it doesn't have to be a current single we'll let that come in oh now we'll let Spotify plays come in now we'll let YouTube plays come in and they keep they keep trying don't they yeah they keep and, trying but no one's buying no yeah one's oh, yeah exactly because all the while they haven't realised that they're not an authority anymore because. No. The the same things we we use to listen to music are already telling us like they have usurped that position and they don't mm. re- well I think they probably know but they're like they're still clinging on to this idea of relevance and and they're only kept alive by Radio One uh, mind you there's there's the, there has been for a long time for the last I don't know what thir- twenty odd maybe thirty years um, there's always been two competing charts uh, there was the Pepsi Pepsi Countdown yeah Doctor um, which was. Yeah, with Dr. Fox, but like all of the commercial stations carried that. But the official chart was BBC. The, the quote-unquote official chart was BBC. Mm-hmm. Um, and often the, the numbers would be pretty much the same, obviously, because they would be. Funny that. Um, yeah. Uh, but now, yeah, like, the, you know, these companies have got to be scrambling around for, for, for relevance because it's just, 
the, the, like the, the things we use to listen to music are already telling us what's popular what's popular and we don't need to make judgments on music based on popularity because we have the algorithms that can help us find stuff that we might like or our friends recommend mm. so we don't need to go for the lowest common denominator because we can dig into our own personal levels of interest and that's just not going to be that's just not going to help these companies and they they just they haven't figured out a way to it was all to, to, to be it was always weird though right bringing in like the element of competition to creative endeavor <laughs> like it's not like every so often they'd go which painting is the best yes let's go have a look you've or, now got the definitively best song this week which religion yeah. here's a countdown of all the followers yeah down one down one from number seven it's the big <laughs> c christianity always gets a bump around christmas though doesn't it <laughs> yeah that's 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 not how the big C's use, Mark. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't <laughs> that has a different meaning. <laughs> All right, fair enough. The C word, then. There you go. The C word. Christianity. I think the C word is something else as well. I think that's been taken. That was that was the joke. That was the joke. Okay. What is the C word, by the way? Because I think it's chlamydia. <laughs> it's it's so, chlamydia. On one, hand, on one hand, I've got someone who doesn't know that I understand how comedy works. And the other, the, the other hand is someone who doesn't realise that <laughs> is the C word. <laughs> Is that the C word? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely the C word. Nice <laughs> hey, C word. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's the it's the it's the C word. It's not the big C word. It's the C word. I'm sorry, Mark. The results have been um, tallied and verified. I can reveal the results dum, dum. are in. It's not good news. I'm afraid it's um it's the C word. <laughs> what? I've got a. <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant I meant Big C. I meant I mean chlamydia. I mean no, no Catholicism. <laughs> and now, contrary to the comedic rule of threes, uh, we have to cover two books in a triptych about the big sky beard. Where God Went Wrong is, presumably, Ulan Kalufid's first blockbuster heretical hit, and part one of a trilogy that compi- uh, comprises this. Some more of God's greatest mistakes, which you can hear about us talk about, which you can hear about us talk about in <laughs> season four, <laughs> episode two, about which you can hear us talk. Uh, and who is this God person anyway, to which we'll come in a moment. Uh, Danny, um, is it sheer staggering arrogance that allows a man like Kalufid to make a summation of where the being who presumably um, created the entire universe cocked up? Not that like he's infallible or anything, more that you know the universe is big like really really big are you asking me whether you should question authority because ah, mm, <laughs> um mm. you're not asking the right you know my answer um okay so if god didn't exist we'd have to invent him right that's that's voltaire yeah sure yes yes if we did invent him then it's a stroke of fucking genius that we put god in a position where he gets credit for all the good shit that happened Mm -hmm. but none of the blame for the bad and and more so if you do blame him for the bad things then you're a bad person you're a sinner and then you get to be punished for blaming him for the bad things oh god yeah so uh, i was watching a thing today and um there was a woman, and they were, it was part of a Christian. It was part of a reality TV thing that was just on television. And it was you don't have to Christian... justify ourselves to us, mate. It's okay. You can watch reality TV. It's all right. We're not judging. Oh, I watch a hell of a lot of reality <laughs> TV. It's real where Housewives of Orange County. If you, if you must. Oh, know. good grief! But because I was just. It's not on brand, but yeah, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I was watching this, and a woman said, "Like, oh, I think um, God works through me because I'm a nurse and I'm in the hospital and I take care of all the sick people, right? Mm. Cool. Mm. Can see the logic there. What I can't see is that God made them sick, <laughs> so He gets all the credit for being in the hearts of people that are make- looking after them, mm-hmm. but none of the none of the blame for." Yeah. I don't know. Inventing disease in the first place. Mm. Well, that does about wrap it up for God, doesn't it? And that's the that's the, that's the position that God is in. And so if he is invented, they did a really good job of silencing all questioning of him. I mean, they literally did it with knives and racks and other things for a while. But then they did it, you know, using uh, logic and um, blind obedience. I think we should always question authority. Always question authority. How powerful would a being have to be for us to worship it? 
for it to appear? Um, I think it would it would need to appear as a giant head in uh, in front of everybody and ask us to show us what you got. Show us what you got. So. Uh, we, we can't question authority because we can't question God because God is God. And, and what are the three t- what three things that make God God? He's all knowing, all mm-hmm. powerful, and I don't know, all loving, all and that's that's a question. Mm. So all loving except for the ones that you just mentioned that with the diseases. If a race of aliens appeared and they were so blindingly powerful that they demanded for us to worship them. Should we worship them? Mm, yeah, well, you see, yeah. When it comes to when it comes to the, the that's the thing about God is the like how easily wounded mm-hmm. he he is. Certainly the 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 big the big C version. Um, <laughs> <coughs> see, saying that means I have to keep in the bit from from earlier. <laughs> it's it, like he's yeah he's, he's very easily offended. It seems, uh, and we, if we call him you know if we call him names or we suggest that there are other people like him, he gets you know very jealous and and, and very shirty. All 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 the simple act of not worshiping him. Yeah, absolutely. Like a very insecure, very insecure god. So yeah, it's it's yeah it's it's not it's not an attractive trait in someone. And and, <laughs> and can I and can I point out like this all forgiving God thing, right? <laughs> the reason that we're not living in Eden is because Adam and Eve made one mistake, <laughs> and now we know death. So <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, the the invention of uh, original sin. So uh, yeah, uh, so uh, my answer to the question is is always question authority. Always, always question authority. And if anyone shames you or tries to make you feel arrogant for doing so, you're probably hitting a nerve. Mm-hmm. And now, um, never letting a good time get in the way of a format, we skip to book three. <laughs> Who is this god person anyway is the final in Kalufid's trilogy. John, is Kalufid challenging the notion and existence of a shared god idea, uh, or is he exploring various people's different notions of what a god means to them? Um, and also, what if god was just a slob like one of us? <laughs> <laughs> just a stranger. On, on a bus. On a bus. Um, all he's doing, Mark, is very, very cynically milking his franchise. Mm. That's... That about wraps it up for Kalufit. Um, <laughs> this is, this is a cla- I think I, I feel like we keep coming back to this genre of book, this, um, yeah, WH Smith, uh, kind of popular nonfiction business adjacent oh. philosophy adjacent but not really philosophy section. And it sits in there. It's sapiens and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's people buying Stephen Hawking and they're not reading it. It's, <laughs> it's all in that, it's all in that area of that best selling nonfiction stuff. Is and, it a bit, this... um, getting things done? Oh, very getting. Yeah. So, right. Good. <laughs> Glad you brought up Ooh, getting things excellent. done. Getting things done, Pomodoro technique, <laughs> all these, all these books that have a very, very, very simple idea and tell you it over and over and over and over and over. With, and with, over with and examples over of, of how many people have helped. Yes. Um, so Kalufid is just in the same book. Shit, you're again. right. Because the, the, the first half of the book is him on different golf courses, mm-hmm. just talking uh, uh, about the, the various executives he met mm-hmm. and, and, and who he, like, he helped them see past the idea past God. of God. Yeah. yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there's no point in getting your putter blessed. <laughs> you can just, this is fine. I'm a fucking demon. <laughs> um, so there's there there are there are, there are two authors um, in part uh, sort of in this space that that I want to I want to draw some specific uh, attention to right now. There's um, a guy called Lawrence Lessig you may have heard of. Yeah, there is vague familiarity. So Lawrence Lessig was one of the people who wrote about um, liberalising. Copyright law was basically his, his main thing, talking about how um, you could actually um, generate a lot more revenue for content creators, perhaps by changing the way you thought about copyright. Uh, the fact that old models of copyright were broken for new models of production and distribution and all these sorts of things. And he wrote a series of books about this. And the reason why I want to bring him up is because he's he is he's done he's done 
what I'm positing is the Kalufid thing, mm-hmm. where he's basically written the same book mm. several times over. And um, each book starts with a section where he goes, look, you, I've, I've written a book about this before. Just going to put my cards on the table. I've written a book about this before. Mm. Just don't worry about that. Just read this one. Like this is all. This is all what I'm thinking now, right? You don't need to worry about. Sorry if you bought that. You don't need to worry about that now. Just go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and get this one. And what he did that was quite clever was was that he actually he issued all of the previous books royalty free, copyright free, oh, okay, whatever. Like basically, kind of freeware. Yeah. So as soon as he had a new book coming out in hardback, abandonware basically. He would, yeah, he would go, well, you can have that. That's like a demo. Because <laughs> my new book, I, I'm going to be an extra 5% clever. And, and, and he, he kind of like, he built a pipeline for himself by basically junking his old book and saying it wasn't very good, but you could have it for free. And then saying, well, get a new book. It's got all the new mm. shit. It's got all the new ideas. Um, and this is what Kalufid's doing. He's just, he's just, he's just going, God's a dick. Yeah. God's a bigger dick. Mm-hmm. God's you won't believe dick. just how big a dick he is. I mean, unless you think it's a... Yes. I always thought it was clever that um, uh, Douglas Adams wrote a parody of... Um, Dawkins. Dawkins. Before Dawkins. Before Dawkins actually B-B-D. started being a, par- <laughs> being a parody. That's really... that. Like, what is that? Is that is that cultural... Is that is that Dawkins' cultural memory kind of echoing back and <laughs> him not being able to exactly pinpoint where he's getting the ideas from he's that much of a dick that his his dickness has a pre-echo yeah but then you know some people will, will say and we've touched on this before that um like red dwarf treads a line treads a path marked out for it by hitchhikers why couldn't dawkins go yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take a path trod out for me by a hitchhiker but i'm not gonna just write a sci-fi comedy program i'm gonna i'm gonna write about god's biggest mistakes so that, I mean that that's sort of what um, your Scientology man did, but he just did both uh, at the same. Like he had the career in both. Uh, he, <laughs> you know, he went from the sci-fi into the into the silly religion. So before we get on to our final couple of items, uh, Danny's brought something he'd like to share with the group. Danny? Hello! Uh, hiya. Um, okay, so um, do we do we all know about D&D alignment and the D&D alignment charts? Mm-hmm. D&D being dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons and Dragons. Of course, Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you. Um, Someone can say. So... Dungeons Dragons, you you role play as different characters. Uh, these different characters will be fundamentally different from you. Probably that's not actually true. Most people tend to play versions of themselves that they wish they were. But mm. you know, it has the scope for you to play like completely different types of people. And to do that, they have like this nifty little trick to uh, understand the character's motivations. So it's a grid on one line of the grid. There is, it goes from lawful to chaotic. So lawful, neutral, chaotic. Are you picturing them columns? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Good. On the other column, the Y column or the X column, or let's, the letter doesn't matter, you have... Axis, but yes. All right. Good. Words mean neutral. things. I'm glad you did it, not me, Mark. I wanted Good. to. Words no, no, things. no. Okay, I was wrong, and you should have picked me up on that. Thank you for doing <laughs> that. <laughs> you, you have good neutral and evil Mm -hmm. okay so lawful to chaotic is your inclination when it comes to rules restrictions guidelines set about by other people the laws okay Mm -hmm. lawful people tend to follow the laws neutral people tend to follow laws when it suits them chaotic people will break the rules as soon as they have a chance to do so good is your motivation good and evil we know what good and evil is so you've got good neutral evil so that's nine spaces, yeah? Mm-hmm. Lawful good, neutral good, chaos good. Lawful neutral, neutral, chaotic neutral. Lawful evil, neutral evil, chaos evil. If you don't know what I mean, I'm sure there'll be a diagram in the show notes. So what I wanted to do, what I thought would be interesting, is to try and fill out one of these charts with all the characters from um, Hitchhiker's Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
I have some ideas, but I'd rather it come from you guys. Um, do we have, for a start, a true neutral character? Arthur. Really? Yeah, I, mm. I, I think you're right, because my initial inclination was to say somewhere along the lines of neutral good. But because he never makes a Actually, you know what? I was going to say he does make a decision. Uh, and I, I will. I, I'll put him on neutral good um, because I, I think I think he drifts towards actually having a, a, a definition along the good versus evil axis uh, when he discovers um, his daughter. There's something in that, I think, that brings out a different uh, aspect of his personality. And it's one of the, the aspects of that book that I enjoy. There can be fluidity in, and characters can realign over time. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that in the main, he is true neutral. Mm -hmm. He's, he's fairly self-concerned. Um, and so his reaction to things that are good or evil are often about, um, self-preservation mm. and his reaction to things that are about law and chaos are, 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 are similar. He possibly leans a little bit to being a yes man which would make him more more lawful mm. you see I, that's what i i had lawful neutral yep i'll buy that not only is he a yes man but he craves order he craves things to make sense he he, he like the opposite of chaotic is obviously like in this lawful but like the opposite of chaos is order and that's what he, he wants everything to make sense he wants to be told what to do he wants to be told you stand over there and do this thing and you'll get a cup of tea and everything will and yet he will push back when someone tries to demolish his house even though they filed the right paperwork yeah yeah that's about a sense of fairness though isn't it but mm -hmm. yes you, you're right i've got an alternative for neutral mm -hmm. marvin is nope. true neutral <laughs> He's lawful because he's a robot. He has to obey certain logical procedures. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. He has a personality. A genuine people personality. <laughs> yeah. So he he has to he has to follow uh, uh, like an algorithm. He's still gonna he's still gonna have some overarching primary directives. Do, does he demonstrate it? Is it in the text? He fundamentally John? serves. You can't say a character's gay after you've written seven books about him and not mention it once. <coughs> yeah, JK. So overall, Marvin has a prime directive to serve the crew of the Heart of Gold. And he does it. He does. Everything he does is true to that. Yeah. He plays a long game. Okay, so we're saying uh, Arthur and... Marvin. Marvin are, are both lawful neutral. Is there a neutral character? How about Trillian? Ooh, yes, because... Um, yes. She makes some moral, um, morally ambiguous choices uh, towards mm. the uh, the second uh, heart of the you know the the back half of the of the trilogy of five, uh, and I, I would I would absolutely put her in maybe tending towards the chaotic, but on the good versus evil, very much neutral. I think she's true neutral. I don't even think that like mm. like she doesn't really pay attention to rules. It's yeah. it's like she's in space and all bets are off. Mm -hmm. no, I like that. So okay, so she's in the middle, Trillian. Mm -hmm. Right, uh, Zaphon Ford, or are they different or are they the same? Um, I would have Ford as chaotic neutral. That's exactly right. where I'd put Zaphod. Is is Ford not fundamentally good at heart? Is is there evidence in the text? I I, I think I like to think. So. I mean, he saves Arthur. He care, he cares for Arthur. Yeah. He does, but he also makes a point in book three about not really caring enough about anything. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're dilettantes, we're layabouts, fart arounds, if you will. Um, is that not? Is that not a little bit of bluster? Ah, is that not you reading into the text? Though? If I was playing the role of Ford, I would be trying to play it cool. That would be me, me trying to be cool, too cool for school. Where okay. actually. In the text, he tries He tries to outcall Zaphod. He yes. looks up to Zaphod and he tries to outcall him. Yes. And I always took that aspect of his personality to be influenced by Zaphod. Mm -hmm. So I think Chaos Good is a good fit for Ford. I agree. Slarty Bartfast. This is the one that I thought about the most leading up to this. Most of my decisions right now have been on the hoof, but Slarty Bartfast, I was moving around the squares like crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I thought lawful good I, I honestly think that fits he's not sure that the rules are right though is he but he still follows them mostly mm. 
this is so this is where I've been oscillating. When he's told to to pack up the um the, his lovely fjords that he's been working on, uh, with his lovely crinkly edges, he he just he sort of accepts it and he he's upset about it. Mm. Um, but he you know I think he just he he sort of yeah all right he's resigned to it I think. Um, yeah. Is his arc through the cricket wars not more? It's more self-driven. Less, do you think about his place in systems? But it's part of a system because it's part of the campaign for real time. Mm. I don't know if it's a self-interest. That's that's good. Yeah. So he's a part of this group, and it's within their within their parameters. And mm-hmm. I mean, in, I'm I, I'm bringing a lot of previous conversations that we've had to this, but mm-hmm. I think I think partly the the sense of my sense of him being more centered on himself does stem from that thing where he suddenly gets more agency. And it stems from the fact that um, the Doctor isn't lawful good mm-hmm. all the time. He's he's lawful good in a very overarching way, but in the laws that are binding him, he breaks them all the time. Mm. Well, I should say they, shouldn't I? Now, mm-hmm. um, so so there is that. There, I, I am mindful of, of of that kind of being under, underneath it. But you're right; the campaign for real time does perhaps suggest that. Yeah, he's now bound by a different set of codes, and that's driving him. Yep, yep. Okay, so seeing as we've got this line mostly done, um, should we go for lawful evil? Now, it doesn't strictly fit the definition because Douglas Adams says that they're not actually evil, but they, they do are. evil things. They are. And so it's <laughs> it's got to be Vogon's mm-hmm. lawful yeah. evil. Yeah, that's that's what I got. Great. Um, shall we go neutral good? Somebody that is in generally fighting for the betterment of other people or for the for the good of of something other than themselves, um, and casually follows the rules, but is not totally against breaking them. Mm. Fenchurch, go on. Uh, well, she's. I think she can. She can break the rules. She knows how to have fun. She accepted. Um, the the idea of of you know sort of the, the the space travel world she went to go and meet this transgressive um character wonko the sane uh and um see god's last message to his creation like she was um interested in seeing things that you know conventional people wouldn't be and i know that doesn't necessarily fit on the axis but um she's got uh, a kind of mischievous side to her, which I think plays well, but is uh, at the same time, it's you know she is she is a good a good character, um, but she's not you know easily swayed in terms of uh, along the the lawful um, chaotic axis, possibly tending slightly more to chaotic, but not in a not in a way that means that much. So I I would argue Fenchurch. I, I will accept that. Would would. By the same token, could we put random in there? No, she's uh, chaotic. She is um, neutral chaotic. I think where we've put Zaphod. I think she's. I think she's where Zaphod is. Yeah. Okay. I've got a neutral evil. Do we need a neutral evil? Yes, we do need a neutral evil. Agrajag. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Cool. Um, so um, the only law that matters is the law that Agrajag has made up, <laughs> and it involves murdering people. One specific. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Over and over and over again, if possible. So do we have a chaotic evil that is the last... What about the cricket robots? Oh, yes. Yes, Yes, because it's irrational. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Yay. Um, And as he's not here, what alignment is John Bounds? Genuine answer as you and uh, Danny Danny and John, I'd say chaotic good. Um, And I would call john hickman lawful good lawful good P- possibly neutral good mm. um but i think i think i think our other two co-hosts are um are, are uh chaotic good i'd put myself more chaotic neutral but sure <laughs> take the compliment and steaders john steaders is chaotic good okay oh, wow. explain i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to trigger him by mentioning the birmingham Podfest, but He's got a re- he's he's got a real problem with self-appointed authorities. That is true. That in is... Birmingham, anywhere anywhere that he sees them, really. But um, yeah, people who have been, been who have assumed some trappings of officialdom uh, cross Mark Steadman at their peril. So is Douglas going to be in the same square as Arthur? 
if we're accepting the the argument that Arthur is a uh, a cipher of Douglas. Douglas is an iconoclast. He's just a very middle class. Like he, he's an iconoclast as much as he knows how to. So where are you going to put him? Chaos good. Chaos good. Mm, yeah, yeah, because he's he's been he's been part of the big systems, but he always seems to have fallen foul of them, doesn't he? Yeah, and he, he kicks against them. He kicks against deadlines. He kicks against any yeah. anyone anyone that tells him what to do. He has sort of a problem with, and then mm. parodies them on on the page. Yeah, I'll take that. And with that, let's doff our caps to the man who picked up an important mantle. William Franklin played the guide in the remaining three radio series after the death of the original voice, Peter Jones. He himself died in 2006. Um, So, gents, given that he was a British TV actor, how many of our standard slate of shows can you name that he appeared in? I did the thing where I only looked at the picture and I didn't get fucking any. That man is a, a cipher to me. Yeah, was he in? Uh, was he in a Last of the Summer Wine at any point? Uh, no. Was he in a Rumpole of the Bailey? No. Was he in a Pie in the Sky? No. And never the Twain? <laughs> no. I don't. I I think sitcoms is barking up the wrong dog. Every decreasing circles. Come oh on, I'm on. A, I'm on a roll of obscure. Yeah, you are. You middle really class are. Sitcoms. It'll be butterflies next. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, tales of the unexpected. Oh, no. <sighs> Think more modern. Flesh good. <laughs> <laughs> Think more modern. Yeah. Fleabag. <laughs> Think less modern. When did he die? 2006. Yeah. Uh, Roots the Next Generation. <laughs> no. Um, Doctors. French and Saunders. Jonathan Creek. Oh, wow. Oh. Lovejoy. Oh. Wow. I nearly said fucking Lovejoy. I didn't. Um, so I, I, I have just done some, some Googleage. Yeah. And um, so apparently William Franklin is is particularly famous for taking a break from his career to do Schweppes adverts. Yeah, it would seem to be uh, the case. He spent, and and to to the point where in 1979, The Guardian actually wrote an article about his return to straight television Mm. after basically, I I guess, buying a house and stuff like that. (laughs) So he was the face of Schweppes. The face of Schweppes. to someone whose name is well it's uh, it's a bit complicated the wise old bird was played by john lemesure in the second radio series arthur meets him on brontotol where he explains the history of the bird people who fled the shoe event horizon shunning their shoes and taking to the skies vowing never to set foot on the ground again he sort of comes across like one of those guys you meet at your local who's got his story uh, and he loves to tell it to any new member who'll listen. Uh, do the, either of you have like one of those like bar stool stories? I mean, uh, not, not really. Mm-hmm. Like I do have a bunch of stories that if I'm talking to people, like, like if if it's relevant, or hopefully if it's relevant, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. But I I will talk about. It. But there's no one that I'll, I'll sit at the bar and bore mm-hmm. with. I like to think. In fact, I I don't really like talking to strangers for. <laughs> If you can help it, most of the time mm-hmm. I can I can be in the mood for it. Like, but sometimes I'm really not, and especially if I'm sitting at a bar stool. Yeah, if I'm sitting at a bar, I'm not feeling the most chatty in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm there to drink. Yeah, Danny, if you're Danny, if you right, if I walk into a bar and you are literally sat on a bar stool at the bar, mm-hmm. you look like a side quest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming over and getting your story. There are there are nuggets in there that I need to get. Yeah, you yeah, literal nuggets because you've got to you've got to go and um, fetch them from from the Vort Verd of Quan or whatever in order to uh, so that he'll exchange it for some magic beans that you need to go and give the princess. Someone's someone's written someone's written a blog post on Polygon about the uh, Danny Smith side quest, <laughs> and essentially what you is. need to do is you need to ply him with some gin and tonics <laughs> and. Um, Maybe a bag of nuts. I don't know. Fucking rumbled. I do speak to people at bars. Uh, it's just <laughs> I mean, it's that I can't, think, I, can't, I can't think of any entertaining stories off the top of my head. Um, 
but I, I sometimes I don't like being toxic. Don't like like today somebody started talking to me in the supermarket, started commenting on my appearance just because I look weird. People feel like they can comment on my, expi- uh, my on my appearance. Mm. It's like, oh, you have pink hair. Thank you. Well, you no. have saggy jowls. What are we playing here? Like, what are we doing? Oh, I, yeah, but I don't. I like. I think there is a line between. I like this thing that you've done. I'm not saying that you did it for me. I'm not saying you did it to make me happy. But I'm just. I'm. I'm giving you a tip of the hat to say I like that. I think that's fine. I think just saying I've noticed a thing about you isn't quite so so cool. But no, I. I I'm not. I, I'm going to move you in the alignment column. I think. <laughs> You know some of these, some of these, some of these barstool people. They they are probably saying the same story. Oh yeah. Every time. What if they literally are a side quest, <laughs> and they're just on a loop? Oh, they, they. Oh my god, yeah. Well, you know how you find out. You you turn it you off and bring on again. them the obscure thing that they asked for, and then you get given gold. You murder them, and then you go out of the pub, <laughs> and then walk back into you the pub. You wait for them to respawn. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that just about does it. Uh, that is, um, that's all the show that we are contractually obliged to give you. Um, so, uh, thank you very much for joining us. It's been, uh, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, you can find our show notes and uh, our alignment chart and all those things linked at btlpodcast.com or uh, check the show notes in your uh, podcasting app of choice, unless you're driving or running or doing something like that. Do it later. Um, also on the internet, you can find uh, you can find our co-hosts here. You can find uh, on Twitter uh, Danny at probably drunk, and you can find John Hickman at John Hickman, uh, and uh, you can find me at I am Stedman. And you know, I might tweet uh, at some point again. Who knows? Um, we will be back for our final two episodes. Oh, jeez! In the Alphabet series. What? So until then, <sighs> I beg of you, share and enjoy. This podcast is produced by Podient. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com. Leopard Knights. Oh, Mark, pick the bones out of this episode. Leopard <laughs> Knights. It's great. There's some good material in this. None of it can air. No. <laughs> I do swear, though, by the end of this run, John, I will, I will help John understand that I do understand how comedy works. <laughs> There's, sometimes I say things because I think they'll be funny to say, not because I don't, not because I don't understand them. That's fine. I, I sometimes I forget that you're playing the character of Lorraine Kelly. That's fine. It's more For that I also reasons. get to do bits as well that I haven't written. It's called improv. No. There is, there is, a, there is a good. It's taken me a while to, to to get it to land in my head. There's, but my, my gears have been going. There is a good, there's a good Christianity chart joke, which is down one, up three. It's Christianity because Jesus died, and then.